it goes either way. Honesty breeds honesty, and cheating and lying and so on breeds the same. You know, like attracts like. So the, the further we get away from spiritual foundations of life, then the more we get what is the most undesirable thing. Mm. You know? And the biggest calamity of life is, is losing your spiritual values, losing your spiritual morals, your, your spiritual compass, your, you know, your, your sense of right and wrong. That's the calamity, you know. The earthquakes and the floods and uh, whatever, 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 they're calamities, yes, and they're terrible and we suffer. But when as an individual I lose all that internal honesty and truthfulness and mercy and cleanliness and everything, then what have I got left? And basically nothing. What is the meaning of real progress? This is Ruben from the Breaking Trail podcast, where you learn to navigate life's journey through ancient wisdom. And yeah, today's talk will be about progress and, and how we as a society advance uh, and as an individual, how I can know whether I'm making advancement and, and moving forward and how do I do that. So uh, happy to have you here. Let's just dive right onto it. Because I was going to just mention my shirt as well. I don't know if you saw it, you know. I bought this shirt in in Sweden. It says... I can't even see it. What does it say? It says... There, the mountains are calling. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. This this yearning for something more, for something else, for, for uh, you know. John Muir, you know John Muir? He was... A great naturalist. He's the one who was responsible for uh, Yosemite Park and basically the national park system in America. Oh. Mm -hmm. He he was back at the time of President Roosevelt. Mm. But anyway, he spent his whole time in nature, and he said the mountains make a very good mistress, but a very bad wife. <laughs> 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 okay. Hmm. What, 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 what did he mean? Or what, what was this? Well, I don't know exactly what he meant. But like, I mean, you know, they tantalize you. They lure you in. They're good for, <laughs> you know, pleasures and so on. Uh, but they're not a good wife, you know. Yeah. You can't depend on them to be the same and trustworthy. <laughs> I mean, that's my take on it. I, I don't know what he meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of like that movie... Wasn't it a movie that where the guy goes lives in that in that bus in the northern parts of Canada and finds out that you know happiness into is, the into the exactly, wild exactly exactly fantastic movie yeah yeah and and, and and tragic because that's we've spoken about that before like I've I've also felt that that I'm I'm looking for that home but even in nature it doesn't really satisfy me fully like. And it can't. That's why. That's why it's like a good mistress, but it's not a good wife. I mean, it can't really satisfy you. And uh, yeah. So, just at a side note, they, you know, that bus where he went and lived and died. Yeah. They just recently removed that. They uh -huh. took it out of there. It's been there until just now. Oh. And they flew it out of there with a giant helicopter. <laughs> and the reason was because that was like so a destination for so many people after uh -huh. reading the book and seeing the movie. And over years, so many people have gotten in big trouble eating that river that he couldn't get across. They've had to rescue so many people. People have died in there. Really? Et cetera. So it just became a nuisance, and so they they finally <laughs> removed it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. People want to walk in the footsteps of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go see that. It's like a landmark thing, and, you know, it's it's wild. It's nature back there, and people have actually, yeah, either rescue or big trouble or death. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how they got that bus there in the first place. <laughs> that's yeah, another. that's a good question. That <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that I can answer. 
but yeah but but our so so my idea our idea of speaking today was on on progress and basically the question of on a personal level as well like am i moving forward and you know if you end up in that situation that, that's an obvious question you know you, you end up there it doesn't satisfy you so you were you were you know you were striving on, and longing for and planning for this big mountain trip you know you're getting all the gear together and you were longing for it like my, my brother just thought that that's he has that situation like he's been planning for and working for like a, a month consecutive long hours to have this month free to spend in the mountains and the day before he he was gonna go he called me and said like i i don't really have the motivation to go anymore like it doesn't feel like it's gonna do i mean this is my interpretation but i'm sensing that he feels like it's not gonna do what you know he what he hopes for it to do you know what i mean yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well that's everything in the material world on whether you carry it to the end like the the guy in the movie and and actually achieved what he was longing to achieve but in the end if you remember he wrote on the wall just before he died happiness has to be shared yeah you know he, you you can't be happy alone and so he experienced it the hard way but <laughs> at the same time it's just the reality of truth and when we talk about success, we have to define what is success. You know, that that's really the issue here. What is success? And so yeah. for different people, it's different material achievements. For the guy in the movie, it was going to be completely alone in the far hinterland of Alaska, you know, which he achieved. But that didn't work. In fact, what he was trying to do is go out of there when it came to the flooded river and couldn't get out. And he was now trapped yeah, in his own utopia. Exactly. You know, so he'd already concluded, this is not working. I want to leave. But then he couldn't leave and he felt completely a prisoner, you know, of nature. So the point is, whatever your goal is, and for almost everybody, it's some material achievement. You see, it's still a material goal and a material achievement. Mm. And it can never satisfy the soul. We've talked so much about the, the fact that we're spirit souls. We're not our material bodies. I mean, we don't do any podcast without bringing this up <laughs> in one way or another. But it all comes back to that, you know, and so success in the minds of almost everybody is a material achievement. You know, we just finished, we just finished, the Olympics just finished, you know. And so for all those athletes, 11,000 athletes, 200 countries, you know, that was basically the goal for many of their life's work yeah. was just to get to go to the Olympics, exactly. see? Yeah. And then those who won, you know, gold or silver or bronze or whatever they won, maybe it was just a personal best, you know, they achieved that goal. Yeah. And so, you know, you could say, well, they were successful. All the gold medal winners or, or silver or bronze winners, they were successful, you know, but, you know, now they've achieved that success. And are they going to be happy for the rest of their life because of it? <laughs> you know, and the answer is no, no, they're not, you know. And so there's statistics that show that after material success on any level, there's oftentimes a great depression, yeah. you know. You've already done, you've put everything on the line, you achieved it, and now what? Yeah. You know, it's over. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've had maybe some experience in nature like, okay, I did it, but now it's done. I got to do something else. Exactly. You know, and so every wonderful experience we've had in material life prior to this moment is over. It's finished. And how long can I ride that wave of euphoria or that feeling of happiness, Yeah. you know, before it just dissipates? 
sort of watching yeah. the pictures of the trip and enjoying and talking about it and remembering and <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why these guys go on lecture tours after they do something big, you know, they you oh, know, yeah, summit yeah, Everest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, now they want to capitalize on it and remain, you know, in the spotlight and relive the moment and so they've got their PowerPoint presentations and people say, Wow, that's so great, you're such an inspiration for us and all that just kinda keeps it flowing. Mm. You know, but that runs out too. I mean you know, you, everything that we do materially has a beginning and an end. Yeah. And in between, whether it's the greatest thing that ever happened in our life or the greatest disappointment <laughs> happened in our life, it's, it's still the same story. It has a beginning and it has an end. Yeah. You know. and, uh, and, and, and we're kind of like another thought that came to my mind is that we're sort of locked into a pattern by the things we do because we've the more effort we put into it the harder it, it is to turn another direction and redirect our life because we i mean we've spent so much money and so much effort in, the, in this these studies or you know this learning this skill for going in the mountains or you know so you have to you you you're sort of locked into you're having to utilize that for the future else you're you you have to realize that you, maybe you've wasted your life <laughs> or you yeah. know to put yeah, it yeah. yeah that's right and that's that's the reality that that we don't want to face tough one and also you know in this idea of putting all your time and effort and energy and basically life into whatever the goal is you start identifying with that as being you exactly this is me this is who i am when that again is incorrect, it's not true, you know. And you can't live a lie, but so long, and still believe that lie. Somehow, something breaks that bubble. Yeah. And and then you know you have to, you know, come off of that and come back to wow. Well, now what? Yeah. And you know. But along the way, mankind, we talked about the purpose of human life last week. No. Mankind, in its endeavor to, you know, achieve all these goals of material enjoyment, have created a, a big situation on planet Earth that's now basically devouring itself. You know, it's it's coming back. It's... It's like the house of cards is falling down. But rather than just admit that and, and take another direction according to a higher goal, a higher achievement, mm. we just keep adding more cards to the falling down house, <laughs> hoping that, you know, okay, that part fell, but we're going to prop it up with all this. And it's just self-defeating. It's guaranteed failure. So there's no real progress. That's that's the reality. You know, the definition of progress is wrong. The concept of progress is incorrect because we're basing it on I'm the body. I'm not. I'm not really who I am. Spirit, soul. Mm. See. And another definition of progress, which. I think most people would agree with, okay, I agree money and fame and all this is not really going to make you happy. But real progress or achievement in life is when you're actually happy. Happiness is the goal. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Happiness is the goal. But the soul can never be happy from a material source. So after all this madness of progress and achievement and, you know, moving forward and advanced civilizations, and then we have to step back and ask the very simple question, okay, is the world as a whole, are the people on planet Earth, are we as individuals more happy because of it? Mm -hmm. Are we? I mean, be honest. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Just... Look at yourself or look at those around you who you know or just look at the symptoms of society. And are we happier now or not? 
And anybody with any kind of honesty would have to say, no, we're obviously not more happy. So that means we didn't achieve success. That means all this endeavor of, you know, the striving for success was actually the opposite. It took us away from the goal of happiness. Yeah. Because that's a laudable goal. Happiness is the goal. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> but, my my mm. spiritual master, Siddhartha you know, he wrote a book one time and he said, pleasure is the goal. You know, and then the whole book was, you know, very informative. And that's really, you know, the goal of, of life. Mm. Go ahead, you had something to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, as as usual, I have a lot of quotes from from Srimad Bhagavatam. Actually, Shaitanya Charitamrita today on on progress, and there is something that may, you know, th this is just so. The, and the here's, for example, the sort of the again what you're saying that this is a definition of, of what advancement and progress means. This is from the purport in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto Three. Chapter 21, text 52. Human society means that society which is making progress towards spiritual realization. The most advanced human society was known as Arya. Arya refers to those who are advancing. So the question is, which society is advancing? Advancement does not mean creating material necessities unnecessarily and thus wasting human energy in aggravation of over so-called material comforts. Real advancement is advancement towards spiritual realization, and the community which acted towards this end was known as the Aryan civilization. Yes, yes. I mean, that's where we get our information from, from the Srimad Bhagavatam, from, you know, our spiritual masters. This is absolute. Mm. Information. This is not just passionate, sensual, you know, fueled, lust fueled okay. pursuits. This is actual information, and if you read that every day, it'll it'll ring more and more true. <laughs> you know, it's not about creating unnecessary material things. Yeah, you know. So-called material comforts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I often refer, because from Srimad Bhagavatam, we, we gain this knowledge about our ancient civilizations, the Aryan civilizations, yeah. the Vedic civilizations, and what they were like. And it actually describes what they were like as far as basically everyday activities of the citizens. You know, and... What was was their experience of being a member of that Aryan civilization? And it was happiness. It was satisfaction. It was actual spiritual advancement. The whole society was making spiritual advancement, you see. But the material uh, uh, achievements were also unprecedented. I mean, you look about how much opulence that was on the planet at that time, you know, and how the citizens were so comfortable, you know, physically, not just, oh, they were ascetics sitting in caves, you know, and they were all omen and going, oh, yes, I'm happy now. I see. You know, they were so opulent, their clothes, their jewelry, their, their whole, you know, residential quarters, you know, they're, they're not working nine to five in a factory, you know, to make enough money to pay the rent. You don't read about any of those struggles of everyday life now that the citizens were, were toiling with just to exist. <laughs> you know, foodstuffs were so abundant that they had just surpluses of everything, <laughs> you know. And so the Vedic system was, you know, the Brahmins, who were the priestly class, the, the intellectual, learned, spiritually evolved class of society, were supported by society, and so much was given to them. 
out of charity because there was, and there was so much abundance to give and to give to each other and to not hoard and not to feel greedy and, you know, put fences around your yard and big dogs to say, don't step in here. You know, all that stuff didn't exist because it was a spiritually advanced society which is accompanied by material success. Automatically so. Automatically. Wow. And so they were, they were happy materially and they were happy spiritually. So on all levels, there was happiness. Well, which is an interesting point, because you, when you think about making progress, you always think that it's one or the other. Like, you know, we're, we're I mean, obviously, our podcast is focused on the spiritual directions. So you may think, okay, these guys just promote, you know, no material benefit, ascetism, like you said, sit in a cave and, and you know, do some oming and, you know, starving and yeah. be happy inside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that's what people think. And that's why they they don't want to, you know, even entertain spiritual life because I'll lose my material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. prosperity or my material comforts or right. my material right. success. Right. But and I don't want to I don't want to jeopardize that. But so, so is it possible to hold on to these two at the same time if you still <laughs> like if you still want and need and have have the, you know, um, have the need for such material success? Like, can you still maintain those two at the same time? Or do you have Yes. To? Yeah. Yes, you can. Because if you have the right understanding, the right vision, the right consciousness, you know, everything is God's anyway. I mean, everything is God's property. He owns everything. But he allots certain individuals, certain portions of his property according to their karma and, you know, their connection with him and so on, they can utilize this amount. But he says it should be utilized in my service. You should do it as an offering unto me, whether it's your money, whether it's your intellect, whether it's your skills in one way or another way. You know, whatever material possessions or rewards or abilities or talents you have, what does the Lord say? It should be done as an offering unto me. Everything that you do, everything that you eat, everything that you offer and give away, as well as all austerities that you may perform, should be done as an offering unto me. Okay, so according to your karma, this lifetime, maybe you've got a lot of material success. Or it's in the cards for you to get a lot of material success. Maybe you don't have it now, but maybe, you know, karmically, you know, wise, you will. But what should you do with it? You should use it as an offering to God. See, doesn't mean you give everything away and only keep nothing. You take what you need and you give away. So the kings and the the aristocracy in these Vedic civilizations were wealthy beyond measure, see? But they were doing everything they were doing as service to God. That was their position, that was their allotment, and they took that and used it in God's service. They took care of the citizens as if they were their own children. And that means all citizens, not just those in human bodies. They considered the animals They considered the plants. They considered all life as their children. And therefore, they took care of all the citizens of the country. Mm. And and so it's not like you're going to find, you know, complete poverty among a spiritually advanced society. That doesn't that doesn't prove to be correct as far as history goes. Hmm. <laughs> and is God not the owner of everything? Is not he the provider of the wealth that anyone may possess or whatever? So when those who are, you know, his children are 
using their life as it should be used, would not he give them an abundance? Mm. Because, yes. Mm. So that's why is there such scarcity now? Because we're living a contra life. We're living, you know, as competitors. And so, you know, the flow is being withheld. Yeah, it's uh I have another this I have to read this and this is also teaching us maybe something about how to see the the difficulties that we're facing in the world today. Uh, this is again from Srimad Bhagavatam where Bhaktivedanta says this material world is certified by the Lord in the Bhagavad Gita as a dangerous place full of calamities. Less intelligent persons prepare plans to adjust of, to those calamities without knowing that the nature of this place is itself full of calamities. They have no information of the abode of the Lord, which is full of bliss and without trace of calamity. The duty of the sane person is therefore not to be disturbed by the worldly calamities, which are sure to happen in all circumstances. But suffering all sorts of unavoidable misfortunes, one should make progress in spiritual realization, because that is the mission of human life. The spirit soul is transcendental to all material calamities. Therefore, the so-called calamities are called false. A man may see a tiger swallowing him in a dream, and he may cry for his calamity. Actually, there is no tiger and there is no suffering, but it is simply a case of dreams. In the same way, all calamities of life are said to be dreams. Just... <laughs> right there, to the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, the, the focus is on the eternal and not the temporary. You know, in spiritual life, you know, a spiritual master, Siddhartha Paramahamsa, has made that point so clear. Focus on the eternal and not the temporary. Mm. But we spend all of our life focusing on the temporary and completely no focus on the eternal. So it's, it's backwards. It's, you know, calamities will come. Bhagavad Gita, second chapter, verse 14, the Lord says, you know, happiness and distress will come and go like the coming of the winter and summer seasons. Mm. There's going to be happiness, there's going to be distress. And you're not going to avoid that. This is the yeah. material world. This yeah. is how it's designed. Yeah. Like the winter and summer seasons, they come and they go. It arises from, from sense perception, O Skiyana Bharata. And one must learn to tolerate them. See, So we have to know it's coming and it's going. Today is happy. Tomorrow it's sadness. You know, today is sunny. Tomorrow it's raining. But we continue on yeah. and, and deal with it as it needs to be dealt with. Because if we build our whole life on trying to adjust, you know, so that there are no calamities socially or, you know, in our personal life, that everything is materially perfect, like it's just going to be a futile attempt. Like we're, we're never going <laughs> to, I mean. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. What, is, what was that first sentence you read? The material world is full of dangers? Something like yeah, that? certified by the Lord in the Bhagavad Gita as a dangerous place full of calamities. Yeah. Yeah. And the Lord also says in Bhagavad Gita, from the highest planet to the lowest planet, all are places of misery, of repeated birth and death. All. Even the higher heavenly planets, which are so opulent that, you know, in our experience, we couldn't even imagine how wonderful it is. Mm. But it's still a place of misery. Mm. And, and so, you know, but as Bhaktivedanta points out in, in, the, in the, the purport, there is a place free of misery, a free of danger, free of calamities, mm. where there's no worry about anything. You know, it's full of bliss and knowledge, and it's eternal. And that's the goal. That's our real home. That's where we should try to return to. See? Yeah. You know, this lockdown that, that is, you know, pandemic lockdown, 
you know, worldwide has created so much stress in so many people's lives because they can't go home, see. They live in another country, and their parents and relatives live in their original country. But because of all these restrictions, they can't go home. And they're suffering greatly because they can't go home, you see. And so we're all suffering greatly because we're not home. And we can't go home until we actually become qualified. (laughs) Wow. And then all the problem is solved. But nobody's looking at that. Nobody's even considering that. It's all right here, right now, this lifetime. Do the best you can. Perfect it, whatever, whatever. You see, modern science has got the answer to all problems. You know, we'll just create more pills. (laughs) The calamities like this pandemic are coming faster than the the ability to counteract it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it's just lined up out there. It's just like hurricanes, you know, that are just lined up out there, coming one after the other. You know, and so you prepare for this hurricane and board all the windows and put up the sandbag seawalls and and it comes, you know, and you think, wow, we made it through that. But here's another one, you know, and then this one's worse than the next one. The third one is worse. And, you know, it, it never ends. But I mean, it just to, to in, in, you know, in my mind, it just seems like it doesn't make any sense. Like, why is it that we can't? It's so hard for us to let go of this world as being our home and me me making progress materially often in this world. That's, you know, my goal. And but I guess that's related to like the, the progress, you know, if I understand it right, is maybe not, you know, rearranging everything, but it's the consciousness that's the that's that's how, that has to change. <laughs> it is about rearranging everything. It's about rearranging our consciousness, <laughs> our vision, yeah, our whole lifestyle, our focus, our perception. You know, that's the rearrangement. And that's the one that people aren't interested in. Because it's ignorance. We're not taught this, you know. Nobody's teaching this, really, on a big scale. No. You know, there are few <laughs> this podcast <laughs> but nobody's really teaching this you know parents don't teach it to their children in general I'm speaking in general now parents don't teach it to the children educators don't teach it to the students you see institutions don't teach it the governments don't teach it all the leadership on the earth don't really teach it see and so, therefore, how are you going to know? Where are you going to get this information from? Mm. See, how are you going to adjust? How are you going to, 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 you know, rearrange everything if you don't even know what, what the goal is? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great lack of education in this department. And, you know, it's not even allowed it's not allowed. See, it's against the rules. There's laws that prevent you from going and teaching this in schools. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, in America, back in the early 70s, you know, this, the whole law and school system and everything was different. That wasn't that long ago, what, 50 years ago. And I could personally go into a classroom in a public school and teach these truths openly, not holding back, not, you know, weaseling around and beating around the bush. I could just speak straight, you know, and I would be invited by teachers to do so. And when I finished, the students and the teachers would thank me, etc. I can't do it. For, for years, that hasn't been allowed. Huh. See, that's no longer allowed. You can't do this in public schools, which are institutions of learning. You see. So, in other words, not only, you know, is it not popular, but it's a law against it. So where are people going to learn these things? Where is the, the, the association that's going to promote this? You see. 
And all the heroes of the world, the movie stars, the rock stars, you know, the athletes and so on, you know, <laughs> they're, not, they're not the, the idols of, of spiritual journeys. <laughs> they're the, you know, they are the, the, the leaders, the, the, the kings of, you know, materialistic life. Yeah. And everybody wants a hero. Everybody's looking up to someone. You know, you know, now the internet is, you know, full of, you know, what they call them, internet influencers or yeah. social media influencers, yeah. you know, people who, you know, they influence people because of their lifestyle or what they're doing, but they're not promoting these truths, no. you know. And so they're influenced. I mean, there's even animals that are internet influencers. You know, there's, there's cats and dogs who are internet influencers. And they have their own little, you know, shows and, and followers and thousands of fans and very popular, you know. So... They, you know, it's reality. But go ahead. You probably got some other quote. I like it. There, there's good. Keep going. <laughs> I have many. I don't think we'll be able to cover them all. No, but there, there, there's one quote that says very directly. You know, those. This is again from Bhagavatam, Bhaktivedanta Swami. Those who are serious about the knowledge of the transcendental world, which is far beyond the material cosmic creation must approach a bona fide spiritual master to learn the science, both directly and indirectly. One must learn both the means to approach the desired destination, you know, making progress, and the hindrances, and the hindrances to such progress. Like, that's... Yeah, well, there's the, the essence right there. You know, the spiritual master is the teacher. You know, everybody's had many teachers in their life. Your parents are the first teachers, then the school teachers, and then whatever else, you know. But when it comes to having a spiritual teacher, it's almost like taboo. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. And, you know, in some cases, the, the reputation of a spiritual teacher has been so marred by fake gurus and, exactly. you know, cult leaders that have actually proven they're not trustworthy, they're dishonest. And, and those who did follow them had a very bad result. Yeah, and we have... You know, from, from you know, misunderstood everything to death. And so the whole concept of a spiritual master has been given a bad reputation by these charlatans. Exactly. You know, that's what's in the news. That's, you know, the, the child abusing and all the horrible things that so-called spiritual people are doing. And I mean, how can you... I, I have no words, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when, when somebody hears the, the statement that you just read, mm. one should approach a spiritual master, they go, oh no, that's another cult thing. You know, that's just another sect that's, you know, dangerous. And, you know, I'm not going to do that. And so, I mean, it's understandable yeah. why people are hesitant. And the people who really go beyond this are the people who are driven from within. And they understand beyond, you know, the charlatan pseudo-spiritual masters. There are real ones. There are real spiritual masters, real teachers, you know. But they kind of intuitively know that. They're given that, that understanding by God himself because they're serious in their desire to make progress, real progress. And, and so, but that's a minority. That's very, very small. Whereas in the Vedic culture, this was normal, absolutely normal. Like everyone, everybody you know. had a spiritual teacher like that. That was, right? Yeah, everybody. Mm. You know, and children, you know, the, the boys at the age of five years old, you know, often went to the 
the guru kula it's called the the school of the guru you know and it wasn't just one guru it was like gurus qualified teachers of spiritual truth and they understood their position was to teach the young children and so they had their institutions of learning material and spiritual they taught them material knowledge and they taught them simultaneously spiritual knowledge and see and so they grew up the whole society was 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 populated by people growing up with this advanced learning and understanding and vision of life and real progress and happiness exactly. you see so the the children today became the leaders tomorrow mm. and they married and they had their children and now they're qualified parents you know to lead their offspring mm. and it just was self perpetuating mm. you see well now we've got the opposite going on mm. it's it's still self perpetuating but in the other direction <laughs> in a negative way you know yeah and so you know it's not a mystery why things are like they are but as individuals we have to always come back to this as individuals we have to take responsibility for our own life i mean i can point fingers at this and that and the other and say okay this is wrong and that is wrong and these are wrong and you know but really i as an individual have to take responsibility for my own life you see I can't always be blaming someone else. And so it's my responsibility as a human to use it for spiritual progress. We're talking about progress here. For spiritual progress. But and to the degree I do that, I will make real progress. But how so let's say I'm on I'm I'm on board I'm on the page how do I know whether or not I'm progressing spiritually what is the you know because you're finding more and more real happiness and enthusiasm in pursuing a spiritual life and your your desire to pursue and achieve and so on in material life as a source of happiness diminishes so your attraction for the material world diminishes and your attraction for the spiritual world or spiritual life spiritual growth increases mm. and you start seeing the values you know well this doesn't have the same value as this this and doesn't have the same attraction as this this doesn't have the same sweetness and taste as this you know and that promise of of rewards from this is you know so shallow compared to the promise of the rewards from this etc in other words where is your where is your interest what what are you trying to do with your life and that shows progress or not you know so i can be playing some kind of pseudo spiritual game but still you know maintaining and increasing my material attraction well i know i'm not doing very well you know and the spiritual activities and pursuits is a real burden i don't want to do it but i feel i have to do it or somebody's telling me i have to do it <laughs> yeah. you know and so that's a sign that you're not really making spiritual progress well and so unless you're honest you're not going to see that because you're you're going to you know tell yourself yeah. that you're <laughs> whatever well, if you're not you're not honest nothing's <laughs> going to come out good <laughs> yeah. mm. and honesty with ourselves is so important and honesty with other people is so important and that's again remember we we talked about the four pillars of religion yeah. and one was mm. truthfulness well you know when truthfulness is is not there then that pillar of religion is gone and, and and therefore you know you've lost that valuable support of life mm. so we have to be honest but honesty is like again a thing of the past <laughs> mm. Mm. i mean 
I keep referring to back when I was a kid, which wasn't that long ago, things were so different. Honesty was a principle that people basically live by where I grew up. I mean, I'm talking about my personal experience. You know, very, very big, important deals, business deals, were done by the shake of a hand. <laughs> you know, maybe big money transactions, whatever, was that the signing was a shake of the hand, not lawyers and, and you know, stamps <laughs> and proofs and so on like that, you know, contracts and so on. They didn't exist. Hmm. You know, it was just, okay, you say this, I say that, we shake on it, that's the agreement, and that was a lifelong bond. I mean, that was like written in stone. <laughs> can, 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 can you believe it? Can you even ima imagine yeah, having something like that? <laughs> Lawyers were not very popular, and there weren't very many of them, because you didn't need them. You know, they weren't a crucial part of surviving in society, you know. So, you know, you, you tell a builder, okay, I mean, I know my father borrowed money, shake of a hand. People did things in transaction with him, shake of a hand. You know, he built a home. He just tells the builder, they make an agreement, okay, I'll build this house, da-da-da-da-da, and that's all. No contracts, no paperwork, no nothing. The paperwork was like, wasn't even there. It was word of mouth. You stood on your word, you know, and that was such a wonderful society, exactly. you know. It was, it was so comfortable, you know, and, but we lost it, you know. We lost it because that was a spiritually based culture, you know. The Bible said this, You must be honest, do not lie, do not cheat, do not steal. And, and so, okay, the Bible says it, Jesus is, is my Lord. He's, you know, all sins are known. I don't want to be a sinner. I want to, you know, be pleasing to Jesus. So therefore, that was the basis of action. That was the culture that was established. And, and uh, that whole culture makes true progress so much more easy. Like acting in that environment makes it possible. It, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you're not always looking over your shoulder to see who's cheating, you. <laughs> and you're not always cheating others just to stay even. Exactly, and com compete, and exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, you cheat me. Well, I'm going to cheat you too. <laughs> You know, I mean, it goes either way. Honesty breeds honesty, and cheating and lying and so on breeds the same. <laughs> you know, like attracts like. So the, the further we get away from spiritual foundations of life, then the more we get what is the most undesirable thing, hmm. you know. And the biggest calamity of life is, is losing your spiritual values. Losing your spiritual morals, your your spiritual compass, your you know your your sense of right and wrong—that's the calamity, you know. The earthquakes and the floods and uh, whatever, whatever, whatever—they're calamities, yes, and they're terrible, and we suffer. But when there's an individual, I lose all that internal honesty and truthfulness and mercy and cleanliness and everything then what have I got left? And basically nothing. <laughs> There's no human life left. It's just regress to animal life like we talked last week with human facilities. To be the best cheat, the best criminal, the best, you know, exploiter and whatever. <laughs> I had a quote. One more, go read. Yeah, yeah, I had a quote on this one as well, but I don't know if I, if I'm finding it right now. And but anyway, it, it it's just it was something that you said before that, but because back to another said that, uh, our false appetite for enjoyment and lordship of the material world is due to prominence of passion and ignorance. By bhakti yoga, these two qualities are diminished, and one becomes situated in the mode of goodness, gradually surpassing the mode of goodness. One is situated in pure goodness, goodness, which is not contaminated by material qualities. It's just 
promise. Yeah, so this society I was referring to when I was young was a motor goodness society. Exactly. I just wanted to, yeah, make that point. It, it was a motor goodness society. Mm. You see. And, and the people were good people. Mm. I mean, they were. You helped your neighbor. You know, you had compassion if people needed help. You you helped them. Mm. You know, and, and everybody benefited. There was no losers. Nobody lost. And, and those who were in the modes of passion and ignorance, I mean, to a degree, everybody was, you see, but it wasn't pure. Mm. But the, the general prevailing atmosphere of goodness made such a difference, you see. And those who were in those lower influences of material nature, they were, they were in the minority, and those in the mode of goodness wanted to help them in the way they could. Mm. You see, help them rise above that. Mm. You see, I can remember my father was an amazing man in many ways just because of this understanding. And he used to look at a person who was, you know, maybe somebody did something, they committed a crime or, you know, they were an alcoholic or whatever. And he said, well, you know, that guy's done pretty good considering the chance he had. <laughs> he really had a hard time finding fault in somebody. Wow. You know, that guy did pretty good considering the chance he had, you know. Wow. So, you know, it was a different vision. And it was just because of the culture, because of the raising, because of the spiritual values, because of the teachings. Hmm. Because he wasn't the only one. It's not like he was the only guy. It was like that was how it was. Hmm. See? Hmm. That's what we're missing. That's what we're, we're missing more and more and more of. So what, what, what's, what's the basis in creating that atmosphere then? Like, what's, why is it so hard for us? And what's the basis in making that possible? And, you know, in that way, making progress possible? Like, what's... <laughs> well, you know, it's Kali Yuga and things are progressing. You know, as Kali Yuga progresses more and more to the modes of passion and ignorance. Yeah. You know. And the, the leadership, you know, leaders are leaders. And the leadership is not promoting this. Mm. You know, they're not setting an example. The heroes, the, like I said, yeah. they're not setting an example to follow. What does Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? As the great man does, the common man follows. I mean, that's the statement directly from the Lord. So the great men are those who are, quote, the heroes of society, and they're not showing this in their life. They're not telling anybody this. They're not passing laws to support this. Mm. They're not encouraging, you know, this in any way. Oh. <laughs> so as the great man do, the common man follows. The great man does goes down. The common man goes down too. So, but again, as individuals, we have to do what we can, take responsibility for our life and help those who want to be helped. Mm. And if people want to be helped, they will be helped. The Lord's in everybody's heart. He knows what each individual wants. And if they want to rise above it, they can what does our spiritual master say? As a lotus flower rises above, you know, the impurities of the water, you see, you know, lotuses often grow in, in impure water places. Mm. But the lotus rises up. It's the most beautiful flower, the most fragrant scriptures filled with, you know, references to the lotus, you know. So it rises above all the contamination you see, and blooms and radiates and, you know, gives off the, the sweetness of, of everything, you know, the pollen that floats through the air like, you know, golden saffron and whatever. So, as in the same way, through meditation, one can rise above the impurities of the world. See? The meditations we teach, the mantras, 
you know, and, and then you 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 add in, you know, the educational factor of the the truth that like you've been reading and so on. And you can rise above the impurities. And and we have to be willing to do that. But if you stay in the mud, you stay muddy. <laughs> Pigs like mud, swans like, you know, lotus flower. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, and, and, and in the end, just another, you know, final thought maybe that I had is that like everything will be taken from us at the moment of death anyway like so what's what's the what's the use in gathering and collecting and like our spiritual yeah. master said like increasing the name and fame of our body like yeah <laughs> it will all be taken away i just read so i can't remember what it was so i can't even comment on it but it was somebody that you know, wasn't a spiritual teacher, but somebody, just an average person that had some position of authority, said exactly that. You know, it's all going to be taken away at the time of death. Hmm. So that's reality that everybody knows and nobody admits. <laughs> Get as much as you can now, and, you know, somehow I'll hang on to it till the end. <laughs> and when the end comes, it's all over anyway, right? I mean, that's like another philosophy we talked about before. Yeah. So don't worry. No. And Bhaktivedanta Swami <laughs> says in Chaitanya Charitamrita in a purport, he says, systematic training of the mind, oh, systematic training of the mind and intelligence is therefore needed. And he, yeah. He says, so that at the time Systemic. of so, so at the time of death, one may consciously desire a suitable body, either on this planet or another material planet, or even a transcendental planet. So one can actually, you know, choose where do you want to go at the time of death. Where do you? Yeah, yeah. But that choice you're making right now through your life style, yeah. you're already now making that choice early on. Maybe you're not going to leave the body for 50 more years. But you're already making that choice by developing your consciousness, your attractions, your attachments, you know, your desires. You're already making that choice. Unconsciously so, but we are. But in the bhakti yoga system, we're consciously preparing for that time, consciously. Exactly. You know, systematic training of the mind. See? Developing habits. Remember, we had that, that podcast on habits. Developing those habits. Now, spiritual habits, spiritual focus. And if it's 50 more years before I come to that moment of departure, that's 50 more years of developing the right habits, which become routines, which become our life. So... Yeah, we wanted to keep it short today. So we'll end with so a chat. we will. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> cool. So we're going to chant the same mantra. Goranga Haribo. In the <clears throat> same tune. So it can become a habit. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing about transcendental sound is you never get tired of it. Like a material sound, very quickly you're tired of it. With transcendental sound, you do not get tired.
<laughs> there you go, Sankirtan, wonderful stuff. <laughs> Systematic training of the mind and the heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, systematic. See, that's what we have to be understanding. Not just once in a while whenever it feels good. Systematic to get the best result, of course. Hmm. Following a system yeah. and step by step and closer and closer yeah. to real yeah, yeah. progress, success. Yeah. That's progress. And human life is meant to be progressive. Yeah. Okay, Ruben, thank you very much. Thank you beautiful view out your window i know that view <laughs> yeah oh you're wonderful yeah. yeah it's nice to be back here yeah, so, <laughs> yeah beautiful countryside and beautiful people yeah that's very true <laughs> it, yeah. you know first and foremost people yeah, <laughs> yeah. we could start another whole lecture no, no it's time to <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so once again, thank you very much, Harry Bold, everybody there, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Valka. Thank you, Slava. Namaste. Systematic training of the mind, intelligence, and the heart. Happy that you've joined. Thank you for that. And do you know subscribe to this podcast if you like this, and watch the other podcasts that we have, and you know share it with your friends and family so that they can also benefit and you know you can follow us on facebook you can contribute to this project on patreon.com all the links available in our link tree 
So we'll see you next week again. Make sure to, what do you say? Stay true to yourself and dare to break trail. <laughs> Hi, Bob.